0: Welcome to Roosevelt Trash, the accompanying podcast to Read Community, an international reading club with members in over 13 countries. I'm Ryan and I founded this community and this podcast with my friend Catherine Shark. This episode follows week four of the December 2020 calendar entitled What Do We Look Like? First up, we have Diandi Prima and a select number of her revolutionary letters. A lot of these letters give advice about preparing. Preparing for natural disasters like Hurricane Sandy, where the government failed the people in terms of their response. Um, preparing for protests and the chemical weapons that might be used there. Strategies to stay safe. Preparing civilians for seizing a town. Um, overthrowing the government. Quote, no one way works. It take it will take all of us shoving at the thing from all sides to bring it down. D prima is really focused on people returning to their natural state, untouched by the barbarism of capitalism, of structure, in order to live a moral life that's not at odds with the world around us. Next, we have Allison Field, LA Rebellion, UCLA Project One film. So this essay discusses the Black filmmakers who came together at UCLA Film School um, between 1967 and 1978. For the program, they created 16 extremely personal films that were revolutionary not only in content, but also in form. Most of these filmmakers really identify with the Black Panthers, and interestingly, Field compares the flaws in the Black Panthers' uh, gendered politics to the flaws now that are now visible in the Project One films. All in all, we see in the legacy of these films that, quote, we were thinking more, really truly more, of cinema as a gun. Last up, we have Nama Klorman Araki, Feminist Photography in 1970s Britain. This runs through the history of the relationship between photography and second wave feminism in the UK, that's 1970s to 1980s. So feminists use photography to create feminist art, create a feminist space within the medium of photography to document feminist movements, such as marches, demonstrations, protests, and to communicate the essence and the message of these marches to people who were either unable or unwilling to participate in the marches themselves. This hits at the very early ideas of the meaningfulness of representation, not just to depict women's lives, but to also offer them to inform political work. It also helped because it cultivated a shared sense of feminist identification during a time where the feminism movement was splintering into a lot of different ideological groups. And the questions we come away with after seeing the legacy here is quote what is representation how does it work and what effects does it produce and to discuss the link between justice movements and their representation in media we turn to a protest and a movement that was in very recent memory black lives matter 2020
1: what are the images from blm 2020 that are that will stay with you the endless, like, never ending march of sans Instagram posts. Not that the spreading of the information is bad, obviously, like, making accessible information, especially the ones that cited their sources um, and, like, had links you could easily access, was useful. And for someone like me, who's, like, living with a bunch of people, one of which is, like, uh, has had, like, a pre existing medical condition that would make COVID pretty freaking bad, going to a protest is not exactly an option for me. So that was kind of like, an accessible way, way for me to participate, but it was honestly a little mind-numbing after a while. It's like, okay, here's another post. It's like there's, a, like, there's a tan, there might be an olive green in there. <laughs> um, so what about images of protests that would stay with you? I think a lot of the images I saw of protests, like the one, I saw the video of one of the Christopher Columbus statues falling in Baltimore, which is where I went to college, so it's something I recognized. That one kind of stuck with me for the absence of people in it, like you see people's hands as they pull down on it and the ropes, but like no one's faces or like faces obscured by masks, obviously because of the pandemic, but because how important it was to protect people's identity from the police Mm -hmm. and from the government in these protests. Um, One of the images that'll stay with me is the projection on New York City Hall. After, I would say the majority of the high profile protests, people were camping in city hall to divest a billion dollars from the six billion dollar police NYPD fund Mm -hmm. um another one that'll stay with me is this video of people like uh protesters like in a circle and there's people like dancing like it's like a contest and stuff and they're just doing that in their free time there's one it's of a police department i don't remember what city but somebody had graffiti like Instead of P standing for police, they graffitied people, the people's department. Mm-hmm. It's like the city, and then the people's department. Um, and another one is um, there's this astrologer. She's a black woman in Minneapolis. So obviously, like right at the center, even though like it just happened to her, like she's just she just happens to be like in the one of the most important cities for this movement. And she collected, you know, donations from her followers. So just Mm -hmm. people casually following this astrology Instagram. And she ended up donating. And, like, the first day, she donated, like, $800 worth of supplies. And the next day, she donated almost the same amount. The pictures that she sent just of, like, the back of her car filled with these supplies will stay with me. To me, like, these these lasting images of protests are really meaningful because I think it's incredible that people with nothing immediate to gain and nothing personal to gain are risking not only their lives but also their jobs their futures their like permanent records because of course if you're arrested um even if it's expunged or whatever like there's a lot of ways that going to one protest could ruin your life forever Mm -hmm. um and to me that's like so awe-inspiring and completely against my nature a lot of protests are not immediately effective they don't they often don't result in immediate Mm -hmm. action and it's like you have to go into this with a double think where you're like no this needs to happen like this necessary future needs to happen but also you have to go in prepared for nothing to be accomplished Mm -hmm. um then ultimately you have to be like oh it doesn't matter but at the same time you have to be okay with it yeah um it's A similar experience it was voting in this election like going in where it's like i needed to vote and people need to vote if they're able to but also knowing that like voting even though biden did win like now i'm like okay nothing changed actually like it's literally just swapping one out for the other a weird type of double think as you said where it at least it felt so crucial and so important that we participate in this but also knowing that it doesn't actually change anything or things like In California, Proposition 22 passed, which is a huge blow to, like, labor rights and workers' rights in the state because rideshare apps essentially were able to buy this legislation because they paid enough money for all these ads and they poured millions of dollars into this to get it passed. Like, it was so important to vote, but it's also knowing that it's going to be disheartening because it didn't change anything. What about, like, protests, not just BLM? Like, images that stay with you. There are some iconic images than like the Ferguson protest or like the the Women's march in DC after Trump was elected I actually I went to the one in DC the like day after his inauguration and like that sea of like the pink hats and everything it was impressive to see in person how many people (laughs) yeah um obviously I'm not like filled with joy and rallied (laughs) up but like we're gonna change the world um clearly there are some strong criticisms of it but it was like just I remember being there and like sort of getting up on the wall of a building to look out over it Mm is like I was frankly suffocating packed between people and it was Mm -hmm. like the whole National Mall was just filled and -hmm. that was an image that would stay with me. Other than BLM being so widespread and so many protests going on at the same time so that was I think um, that was the largest protest in American history but before that it was the women's march on in the Mall of America what is it called? The, the, The National Mall. Yeah the National Mall yeah no speaking of like day after the 2016 election i had some friends who went to the union square um in new york the union square protest and they walked all the way up to like a trump building and stuff they showed me this video they were putting together after he's like a film major and stuff and there was one part where he overlaid like the police talking to the crowd being like you know please move on to the sidewalk or you're gonna be arrested like Something like that and it was just so clear and I was like how did you get that was it that loud and he was like no I held my voice recorder up to their microphone and I don't know why that like stayed with me but it just like the intentionality of it really stayed with me because this friend he went in knowing like yes of course he's like part of the protest and he's like he shares that sentiment with all the people protesting Trump's election but he also went in knowing that he intended to make a film that brings the watcher the audience into those protests like as a moment in time just the motion of him being like I know exactly what I need for this and then holding up a voice recorder to like a cop's microphone maybe just the image of his like hand like crossing the distance and like it was a really cacophonous time um, I was walking around Washington Square Park and there was one point where I could hear two protests in two different places going on at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I don't want to even say how I felt them because it was so not on par with like how dramatized and maybe glorified a lot of protests are as in mm-hmm. like this is so noble and stuff even though I just said like it's amazing that people go out and do that, I just like didn't know what to do with that with being around that, all that like bravery and courage and whatnot when I was there. I mean, when I went, I also went for Trump's inauguration to protest that. And that was like, I think the first protest I ever really went to. And that was a genuine protest. The Women's March was much lower risk. Mm-hmm. Well, it was incredibly like impressive and sort of like, I don't want to say awe-inspiring, but it was pretty incredible to see just yeah. the sheer turnout. Yeah. The protest at the inauguration was very, very different. There was this like sort of frenetic energy of it. And I went home because I, after a while, when the police started pepper spraying people up ahead of me at the protest, I went home because I was wearing contacts at the time because my first protest, I did not know better. And so my options were take out my contacts, which with my really, truly awful <laughs> blind side, like I would be blinded. Like I did yeah. not, like I could not see mm-hmm. without them or I would be blinded by pepper spraying my contacts permanently. Uh, so I left. I remember saying that to uh, someone and he was like, because he had also been at that protest and he was like, oh, but that's just when it's like started getting like real. That's like when it just started. Like, why did you leave? And I was like, he was like, you should have stayed, like stuck it out. And I was like, I don't know. Again, there's serious permanent, possibly permanent consequences, physical, legal, financial, financial. I, in the same way that I have so much appreciation for people who go ahead and protest and turn out every single day, I also really have that same like deep feeling when I see like social media accounts that organize these protests writing, "This was going to be like a big one. If you can't be arrested, go home. Like if you can't endanger yourself, don't come." Mm-hmm. Because it's out of this like caring concern that has mm-hmm. to underlie. Movements. So I do feel like I do feel kind of ashamed of myself that I wasn't able to physically participate in the protests, even though I know why I wasn't able to. And even though I did other things, like I donated as much yeah, money as I was yeah. able to spare and things like that. That doesn't I still feel like I have not done enough. I mean, I will have never done enough. Right. We always need to be doing more. There is an essay by June Jordan mm-hmm. that She's a Black writer. She writes specifically about the Black experience in America and what needs to change, basically. But she has an essay where she wrote about seeing either images from the Tiananmen Square riots or um, images thereafter, like on an anniversary or something like that. And she was describing how the the essay begins with her being very tired and she's like, I'm done. Like, I can't, I don't know what I'm supposed to like do anymore. Like I feel so tired and unable. And she could only see like the grit and the horrible parts of protesting. But then she talks about how she saw these images from the Tiananmen Square riots and how there's that one really famous picture of that man with groceries in front of like five tanks and he's, like, standing directly in their path, and there's no one else around. And she said she saw some video footage of it, and how the tanks would try to move around him, and then the guy would just would walk um, to be in front of it again. And it would, it would the tanks would move again, and the man would move again, and she was talking about how this was, like, a dance. And she was talking about it in a celebratory way. She was like, what an amazing, like, dance, you know? She was talking basically about how she felt ready again to to do that, like protesting. work. definitely that just that image of like the tank with the man is something that that stays with me. There's more images actually that are much less famous of that event where the tanks are taking over basically like a highway. You know, like those looping highways that we have in California. Like it very much just looks like one of those but this tank is taking up the entire, like, four or five lanes or whatever. And it's just three little tanks, like, cruising down the highway toward what they did not know what happened, which was, like, so much death and, like, like, such a legendary image for people who believe in demonstration power. Okay, there's another aspect to, like, the aesthetic of a protest, which has to do with um, images of torn up cities okay. so post-rioting images which are weaponized a lot obviously to show how violent protesters are or how these protesters don't deserve what they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like pretty wild how like a lot of people their immediate reaction is like oh my god how could they do this and then my reaction to them is like they're doing their great job like yeah <laughs> like amazing. You're doing like, so good. The job is to disrupt. Like people like I can't believe they <laughs> like people target's windows and shoplifted like incredible yeah <laughs> i'm like wow like <laughs> that's, i like, wish that's they shoplifted amazing. more like i don't think i could have done that i think that's where my feeling yeah. comes from is like breaking not only like the physical window but like with like the demands that i grew up with um being orderly and being respectful or whatever mm-hmm. or respectable honestly yeah polite i mean there are so many different quotes on this like was it i cannot remember if it was martin martin Luther king who said this but he said like you know respectability only works if your oppressors have a conscience and they Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. and this comparison has been drawn by other people but the Boston Tea Party like people glorify that event when it was literally millions of dollars of property damage by dumping this incredibly Mm -hmm. precious cargo um into the harbor like that was it was more than just stealing a couple things from a store or like smashing some windows and we love that moment in our American textbooks we're always so proud of them when they do that um and when we talk about it but when it's happening in real time it's condemned it's really easy to glorify these in past moments and be like i would have loved to have been a part of that history and have protested too into a thought mm-hmm. like when people say like oh if i had been in germany during world war II, i would have helped but like <laughs> when but you're here right now yeah it also doesn't matter if like the cause right now is more controversial or more gray area than mm-hmm. that time like why are you thinking about being a hero in nazi germany when you can just be a regular person in the us like, yeah the opportunity is here there's a lot to talk about there i went to like a lecture about how there was actually a lot more violence during the american revolution like pre-war uh-huh. than people think like people were just like drawing and quartering british workers like it, it was like they were just yeah. it was not great but also i mean there's obviously that with like People want to like arm civilians and things like that. That's like a whole nother discussion. I want to stick to talking about like how these images of like stores and stuff and like I guess inherently political images inspire such different reactions and different people. Mm-hmm. I think that's so wild. Individuals have really completely different ideas about where this country is going. Yeah. <laughs> and like whether things are getting better or worse. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea if they're getting <laughs> like I'm gonna know about 50 years from now, I'll think back on this film and be like, did things get better or did they get worse? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> we have a like such a weird, constantly wrong relationship to objects. People, because of like socialized orderliness, really want to protect other people's property. Um, like Target's property or like just or like CVS's property or whatever. Um that's a really weird, like <laughs> Why do why do we why are people so automatically attuned to see somebody like break in and out of something break a rule and be like oh my god oh my god everything's falling apart What's that quote like America is a country of a, like temporarily uh, embarrassed billionaires like the way people protect oh. the value like the property of the rich when they are not the rich Yeah, um it has nothing to do with you like, Yeah, <laughs> like. What makes you think this joke has been made in many iterations around like Biden's campaign with wanting to raise uh, taxes on people who make over $400,000 a year and people who make $25,000 a year (laughs) are like, we can't let this happen. I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. I think like the problem really just lies, the problem with the conflict really lies with like our relationship to things. Like we need to stop. (laughs) Like we need to be able to differentiate between the value of a human life, the value of like a ps4 like yeah (laughs) or like the value of a broken window or like what is target stock like how do we fix this i don't know it's such like it's also such an issue where i'm like did you not figure this out in kindergarten like this feels like such a fundamental blatantly obvious fact to me that no amount of looting or property damage is ever the same as the loss of a human life yeah and i don't want to pretend that like i also have that instinct sometimes when i see like a photo of some somewhere looted or whatever I'm like oh my god that's so scary Mm -hmm. but that's the problem like why is that my instinctual reaction how can I get rid of it like how can I obviously my true and complete opinion is that like looting is completely it it completely has a place in protesting it always has it always will but how can I get rid of like the first instinct like I'm wondering if people are conf- like see looting and conflating it with like physical violence, like a street fight or something. Like, do they assume that the two go hand in hand? Like, I think we're honestly trained to be like really scared of like stampedes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a from- we've seen the Lion King. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it that? Like, I have no idea. One theory I have is that maybe we are very resource oriented, and mm-hmm. that's another reason why, or maybe that's another product of social conditioning to withhold resources from other people because they don't deserve them. Like maybe those, like those thought processes go together. Who deserves what? Who's allowed to have what? I don't, I'm like completely mystified. <laughs> Me too. like, all I can feel to say is I, people just cannot see outside themselves. Why do we not want people to have stuff? <laughs> it is like, a. That's something that I've been really wrestling with myself about. Like, people should receive what it takes to survive, Mm -hmm. you know? Or things like the student loan debt, like the discussion Mm -hmm. of um, absolving people of their student loans and people saying, well, that's not fair to the people who paid it off. And it's like, what? Mm. Should we stop looking for a cure for cancer because it's unfair to the people who've died? Yeah, yeah. We have this obsession with, like, fake scarcity, like the idea of overpopulation. Our planet absolutely has the resources to support the people we have on it if they were evenly distributed and, like, cared for in a way that was sustainable, mm-hmm. um, but we choose not to. Yeah, or even if, like, we're okay with somebody far away, you know, getting what they need for their family, like, in our immediate vicinity, too, we have, like, a a strange idea about, like, well, I need to keep this much of the resources in this community for myself because and like i don't care what anyone else does like i'm just gonna secure my family like that's a idea that makes sense to me but i want it to not make sense to me i don't understand where this like stupid twisted idea is it evolutionary like this from. desire to hoard resources when we have them it's possible but again like that means nothing like if it's wrong <laughs> yeah if it's wrong then we shouldn't we should be. not bow to our evolution. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, like this idea of like scarcity and resource sharing or resource resource hoarding, you know, there's different sides to it. Um, and I think I just want to end on like, just again, like a, expressing appreciation for things that have come a lot more into the mainstream consciousness, like mutual aid, public fridges, public mm-hmm. refrigerators, where people can just go and look and get food that's there if they need it. Um, also like urban farms I feel like were a popular idea that I only saw in like their semi-success so semi-failure kind of and now it's like because of its like mainstream appreciation they're able to retain a lot more success I guess mm-hmm. I don't know I think it's like amazing that people are like learning how to build stuff <laughs> yeah. learning how to water things on a schedule a lot of this 70s like, independence, or, like, hippie, whatever, like, yes, like, there were, like, really well-functioning communes and stuff in the past, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's finally coming to fruition, hopefully, in this decade, mm-hmm. where people are actually understanding what it means to not be individualistic, what it means to, like, be responsible to one another, as opposed to just being able to do whatever you feel like, whenever you want, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? How are we such social animals and yet not at all community minded? Yeah, so... I just want to appreciate, like, I I don't want to, like, specifically name certain things I'm thinking of because I don't want to, like, um, overload them, like, with attention maybe they don't want. But, yeah, there's so many organizations or organized things happening in, like, where I was living in Bushwick in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. And Baltimore is a great example of that. Like, the community resources and organization is really phenomenal to watch in my brief time there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we gotta just keep an eye on our relationship to things. We really just gotta ask ourselves, like, what is, like, how am I feeling right now?
0: And that's it for this week. Following week four of the December 2020 calendar, what do we look like? Please follow us at Roosevelt Trash on Instagram, on Spotify, on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you might create your podcast. And follow our personal accounts at rrryen and at cassis.shark. We love you, we respect you, and we're rooting for you. Bye.